Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Gene and I, I was thinking, Gene, 40 years ago, it was right about now, I went back to Minneapolis to interview for the job at the Bethesda Free Church. And uh, Gene and Barb were there, and we got to be good friends. And uh, believe it or not, Gene and I used to play basketball together. How do you like that? (laughs) We used to play at First Covenant Church, downtown Minneapolis. Some of you that are Scandinavian background, uh, I'm not going to turn this on yet, uh, will appreciate appreciate that. And uh, what's that? Oh, hi, Sandy. Children's can leave. (laughs) I thought Sandy was just greeting me this morning. Children's Church, you can go. All right, and if any of you are sitting in a hard chair, you like a soft chair, there's several right up in here, especially now that the kids vacated. Um, so we used to play down at First Covenant Church uh, downtown. I think I got this story right. Uh, one of the guys that, that was Gene's friend that let us uh, use that. So they built a new facility, and they told, turned the old facility into a gym, and we'd play basketball in the gym. But the condition of turning the old facility into a gym it had to be painted blue and yellow. Any of you get it? Swedish flag. Yeah, <laughs> it was the Swedish colors. So we played in a gym that was blue and yellow. So that's what we did there. Okay, so this morning, you all made it here today. And probably, I know not everybody is as mobile as everybody else, but we, at some point, walked today. And I don't know if you appreciate walking how complicated walking is. You never think about it unless there's something wrong, okay, or unless you have trouble walking. Um, walking is a very, very complicated act. I was, attention was drawn to this to me by uh, listening to somebody on the TV the other day, and, I, and I, I, just, I copied this down. This is just one explanation. A pendulum is a device that transforms kinetic energy of motion into gravitational potential energy and back. Got it? As it moves through the bottom of its arc, the pendulum's velocity and thus its kinetic energy, mass times velocity squared divided by two. Okay? Dave's figuring it out right now. It reaches a maximum. At the top of its arc, the pendulum slows to a stop. But at that point, the potential energy mass times gravity times height is at its peak. As the pendulum falls back down, potential energy is converted back to kinetic energy. In a good pendulum, the conversion is close to 100%, with only a bit of energy lost to the friction of moving through the air. One nudge, and a pendulum keeps swinging a long time. With each step you take, you yourself become an inverted pendulum. You pivot around the foot that's on the ground as if you are using that leg to pole vault. And your, center, and your center of mass, somewhere in the belly, describes an arc. As you plant a foot on the ground in front of you, the ground exerts force back up your leg that slows you down, and you continue slowing as you rise up on that foot to the top of your arc. At that point, your kinetic energy is at a minimum, but your potential energy is at a maximum. As you fall forward to the next step, that stored potential energy is converted back into kinetic energy, and you accelerate again. <laughs> so there was a um, 
the reason I came across that was there was a uh, robotic engineers, and they were describing. Let's see if we can get this to work here, Cliff. What do you think? Let's see if we can get this to work. I got mine. I did my part. Uh, I'll turn it on. No, I'll really do my part. Okay, here we go. All right. Let's see if we can get something going here. Let's see if we can. Um, Cliff's going to push play for us. And the point of this was, of this was how the most difficult thing in robotic development is to make the robot walk. It was the guy said it was the most difficult process <laughs> of all things having to do with a robot was making the robot walk. They could use the hand, they could do other things, but the robot trying to walk. <laughs> I don't know if uh, Cody Severson's here. Are you here, Cody? Yes, Cody's made robots. Is this true, Cody? It's hard to make them walk. Now, what they're doing today, though, this is a few years old. Um, what's happening today is that they are, te- they are using artificial intelligence. So the robot is learning, just as a child would learn from mistakes, how to walk. Um, I'm not sure, Cody, about the, I would, that would make me off, you know, grimace to think of all the money he spent on that robot and have it, see, try and didn't walk. <laughs> so that's a robot, there we go, that one, <laughs> that guy didn't get very far at all. And they also said the most difficult was going up the stairs, trying to get a robot to go up the stairs or to get out of the car and to stand uh, like everybody else. Okay. <laughs> So that's robots trying to walk, okay? If any of you, uh, here we go, let's see if we can get this to work. There we go. If any of you can remember with the toddler, right? We have a toddler in our family right now, our 14th grandchild, and he has just learned to walk. Pretty soon, uh, Derek, your family will be able to enjoy this, uh, and Olga, uh, learning to walk. Think of what it goes through for a toddler to walk, Okay? Walking is difficult, but once we learn how to do it, it just seems as natural as breathing, doesn't it? But it's a very, very complex act every time you walk and take a step. Let's pray. Fathers, we open your word this morning, and we give thought to your word. We pray that our hearts would be open to your word, and uh, not only open, but that we would internalize it, and the Holy Spirit would allow us to live by your word as we walk faithfully with you this week. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So our verse this week, that um, we are, we're starting the next series, and this series is on grace living. And this will be our last series from our memory verses for uh, our Sunday morning services. Grace living. And you'll notice that today's, notice today's verse, let's say it together. This is Galatians 5.16 from the NIV. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Galatians 5.16 NIV. And this is our verse for this week that we're going to memorize. That's a pretty short one. Now, you can all memorize that, right? Now, we've kind of all the activities and things. Maybe you've gotten behind a little bit. You can memorize this verse uh, by tomorrow, I'm sure. Galatians 5.16. The interesting thing about this verse is that in the, this is in the NIV translation, and I'm going to put it up in the ESV translation. The ESV translation, uh, you'll notice that this time it is, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And if you remember the King James, some of you that grew up the King James translation, 
That is the word that's used there as well. And in fact, probably most of their translations, the word is walk. Walk by the Spirit. We study Galatians in Sunday school this week. Let's look up, let's open our Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5, and the context of this passage, we looked at this in our Sunday school class, in one of our electives I taught this fall. And if you look at Galatians chapter 5, it begins, this section begins in verse, uh, well, the whole chapter has to do with, with living by the Spirit and uh, the sanctification. And you'll notice that there's, this is a sort of a bridge to the next part of this. But verse, let's look at verse 13. We're going to look at the context here. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. And then he goes into this soul, the word soul, and because of this I say to you, live, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. And then he lists uh, in this passage, uh, after he talks about how the sinful nature and the spiritual nature are opposed, he lists in verse 19 on the uh, various acts of sinful nature. And in verse 22 is the section that we know so well on the fruit of the Spirit. And then it's, and it finishes at verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So you notice at the end of it, provoking and envying each other, and just before it, at verse 15, dividing and bowering uh, one another, is how they are treating one another it really becomes a focus where he applies this walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. Now I want you to just to, to appreciate that, that this word is used um, for a reason. You know, if you if you've been around church very much, after a while, you'll you'll hear every so often certain Greek words that are used. It's not that I've said this before. We're not trying to impress anybody. None of us here are Greek scholars. I mean, some maybe. I'm not a Greek scholar, but in your own world, you'd be surprised how many Greek words you use all the time. And there are certain words like koinonia, right? Agape, things like that. Words that we use that that become part of what we talk about. Logos, you know, the word be, the word became flesh. Logos. And I want you to add one to your vocabulary today because this is one that is actually used quite often in the New Testament, especially in the epistles, and and the Paul especially draws in this word. And this is this word peripatetain. Uh, or ta'o, but tain is the verb, which is simply to walk or walk around. The Apostle Paul uses this regularly as he does here in Galatians chapter 5. This is the word that he uses here in Galatians 5.16. I say, walk, walk around, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. And this thought of walking as a description of the Christian life, really comes from the Old Testament. And if you, if you read, as you're reading through the Old Testament, and maybe you're doing your Bible reading this year, as you read through the Old Testament, you'll encounter this all the time. Walk after my ways. Follow me. Walk according to my law. 
And you'll see this throughout the Old Testament, that, the, that this word for this idea of walking describes how God's people live. Now, when the Hebrew Bible was translated into the Greek language, when, when the Apostle Paul and Peter and James and John, when they did their ministry, their working Bible, if you will, the Bible that they really used on a regular basis, was the Greek translation of the Old Testament, just like you use the English translation of the Old Testament. They knew Hebrew and Aramaic, but that was the common Bible. And so the Greek translated the word that's in the Hebrew for walk into this peripatein, this idea of walking. It's interesting, in the Greek language, in classical Greek language, they didn't really apply it that way to how you live. But the Bible kind of uniquely makes that application to take this word of walking to describe how we live, our manner of life. Now, in the Old Testament, um, uh, sorry, this is the one disadvantage. I don't have a monitor back here. But you'll notice that this is Paul's use. This is from the Old Testament. And there's a passage such as Exodus chapter 18 and verse 20, where they are told, And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws, and make them know and make them know the way in which they must walk. The Hebrews halach. They must walk and what they must do. They must know how they are to walk. They, you must teach them God's law, God's commandments, so that they will know how they are to live. But the Hebrew specifically, there is a, there is a word in Hebrew for live, right? But the word walk is specifically used throughout the Old Testament to describe how God's people are to conduct themselves. And so the apostles take this, and especially the apostle Paul in his epistles, and uses this very, very frequently, this idea of our Christian life is a walk. I remember when we got uh, 20 years ago, uh, this is just 40 years ago, we went to Minneapolis, as mentioned. 20 years ago, Teresa and I went to uh, Africa with the group from the uh, Spokane Church. They were doing a, working on the, uh, work was just starting in Zambia. And Teresa and I went along and we did uh, conferences and seminars for pastors and pastors' wives with uh, Kid and Ruth Parker from Spokane. And I remember we landed in, well, we, you know, Miami, South Johannesburg, or Cape Town, Johannesburg, and then we got to uh, Zambia, and we landed in Lusaka, which is the capital, and we had to drive from Lusaka to Kabwe, which is where our work is in Kabwe, outside of Lusaka. It seemed to be it was a couple hours away, and I thought maybe from Lusaka to Kabwe. And I just remember we were, so we were in the car and I was riding with Kennedy, our African missionary, who many of you have met over the years, Kennedy Simtoe. We got out of the airport, we got in our car, and we're driving down the highway. We're driving down the highway and everybody's walking. I mean, the road is just full of people walking. I don't know if you've, if you've ever been there or not, if you've seen this. It's like if you were to go downtown Seattle by South Lake Union, by the Amazon headquarters, right, at lunchtime, and, and see all the people out at lunch hour, okay? Um, but they were, it was on the highway. It was on the highway. So I turned to Kennedy and I said, Kennedy, where's everybody going? And he looked at me like I was crazy. You know, like, what do you mean? I said, well, where's everybody walking? He said, they're just walking. I said, yeah, but where are they going? They're walking to where they're going. <laughs> they had a purpose. They walk. They walk. They were going to the shop. They were going to their neighbors. The pastors were going to their meetings. They were going to the hospital. They were going to the clinic. They were going to the market. 
They were going cross town. They were going to get water. They were going, they were walk. Yes, there's cars and a lot of motorcycles, but for most people, they're walking. Uh, one of our pastors who was there at the conference, uh, Sky, uh, Sky, he came to America to visit our churches. And he landed at, I think it was Philadelphia. And he landed at the airport and our pastor there picked him up and drove him to his location. And he's driving along the highway. He says, where is everybody? <laughs> and the pastor said, what, what, what do you mean? And this guy told me, he says, where is everybody? I said, what do you mean? Where is, I don't see anybody walking. He said, well, they're all in their cars. <laughs> you know? And uh, it was just complete opposite. So this idea of walking became just, and, and, you know, I, and I often thought when I was in Africa, I've been to Israel three times. A year ago we went, about 59 people, and we had a great time, and I've always enjoyed that. I felt when I was in Africa, I was probably closer to the, the culture of the Bible in terms of how the people lived in the sense of the community, the marketplace, the walking, um, the, the church fellowships, and so forth. And uh, this became just a natural analogy. I mean, the people in, in the Bible days, the people in the Old and New Testament, people when, the New, when Paul wrote this, they were used to walking. That was their mode of transportation. I mean, what else did you have besides a cart and a horse or a donkey that, if you could afford it? They walked. They walked. And so when Paul uses this term to explain the Christian life, it made perfectly good sense. It was the most natural thing in the world for him to, to use. This idea that they must walk. They must walk. You know, um, let's, look at, let's look at just one epistle. I'm going to take the book of Ephesians. And look how many passages. And you, and you know, a lot of you know these passages. Go, turn to Ephesians. You're in Galatians. Turn a few pages to the next epistle, Ephesians. And let's just walk through the chapters real quickly. Ephesians chapter 2. You know verses 8 and 9. I learned it in King James. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves, as a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Right? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Verse 10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. But in the, in the, in the, other, in the original languages, for us to walk in. We are to walk in these good works. Chapter 4, in verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you, to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And in the original language, the word is walk again, to live a life, to walk worthy, walk worthy, right? The idea is live your life, walk worthy. Chapter 4, verse 1. Chapter 4 and verse 17. Chapter 4, verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. You must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. And I've used the word live. It's the word walk, which, of course, is the idea of how we conduct our life, how we live. Chapter 5, and verse 2. And live a life of love. Walk in love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Listen, friends, that verse, that verse will go far, farther than... I think any other verse in the Bible, uh, in our relationships, in our relationships with one another, 
to, if, we, if we consider how the Lord Jesus Christ loved us and gave himself up, we are to walk that way. We are to walk a sacrifice. We are to give up our lives for others, it, starting with those closest to you, to sacrifice, to walk in love. Chapter 5 and verse 8. For we were once, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live, walk, walk, peripatein, walk as children of light. And finally, verse uh, 15 of chapter 5. Be very careful then how you walk, how you live, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. This concept, I mean, think of, just think of it for a minute in such a practical way. Walking. All that's involved in walking. We learn to walk. We discipline ourselves to walk. We have a destination when we walk. There's a reason for walking. Walking is good for us. We don't think of the physics involved in walking and how complicated, unless you're building a robot maybe, huh? How complicated. They said the most difficult thing was getting a foot that could go up the stairs on a staircase for that robot. But we just do it. And the Christian life is described as a walk. It's a walk. It's a halak. Walk after the Lord. It's a peripatein. It's a walk as we walk according to the God's way. Christianity is a way to be walked, to conduct a walk of life, not a wandering, but a walk of righteousness. Isn't it interesting when we think about it, to walk the way of life? What were the early believers called? The Lord Jesus Christ said, I am the what? Way, truth, and the life. And in Acts chapter 9, for example, you will find that the Christians were called followers of the way. Followers of the way. The way to walk. This idea is used to describe what it means to live as a Christian. To walk with God. Think of the songs. Think of the poetry. Think of all the things we talk about. Walking with the Lord. Walking in the footsteps. Walking with our believers, walking the path of life. This idea is so common throughout the Bible. And I just want to point out this morning, I know in the NIV, we use this a lot, of course, today, and it does translate it live because that's, what it, that's how he's using it. But I think it's worth remembering that the idea is our walk, our walk with the Lord, our walk in Christ. How is this done? Now, this is, this is what I've been thinking about this week. It's easy, you know, to talk about. You look at this passage in Galatians. Go back to Galatians chapter 5. And it's easy to read that. So I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. And, and Paul says, for why? Because the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other. So you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. But how do we do that? How do you walk in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit? How do you walk 
in the Holy Spirit. What are you going to take home with you today as to how you find this taking place in your life this Sunday, today, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? How does this take place in your life that you walk in the Spirit daily? Walk in the Spirit. One of the authors, commentaries I use, uh, James Dunn, was a very good commentary, but he, he had three suggestions to, to keep in mind as we think about this. First of all, in Galatians uh, chapter 3 and in, and in verse uh, 3, look at Galatians 3, verse 3. See, the problem he was, he was running into in Galatians is these people were being told you have to walk by the Mosaic law. Yes, faith in Christ is good. That's important. But you also have to combine the law. You, you understand that, right? You have to adopt and accept the law as well. But he says here, look what he says in verse 3. Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? You began with the Spirit. Think of a toddler learning to walk, right? You've all seen this probably, or you all did it. If you can remember, I can't remember, of course. But, you know, think of a toddler learning to walk. And what happens when they take those first steps and walk from here to there? Huh? What an accomplishment, right? Today it's on Facebook and YouTube and Instagram and everybody else, everybody in the world gets to see your child taking five or six steps. You clap and you cheer, right? It's, it's a big deal because they've taken their first steps. And it's something you remember as a parent, as a family member, as a friend. You remember those first steps. Paul says, listen, go back. And remember where you started. Always remember where you started. I don't know where you started. I've told you a thousand times. I, you know, I started at Camp Gilead in chapel with Wynne Johnson speaking with the Flannel Graph series. That's where I started. I took my first step there. I accepted Christ as my Savior. Some of you are much younger. Some of you don't even remember the exact time your parents remember. Some of you, much later as adults, it's been interesting. Is, is, I, I know your stories, and some of your stories. It was, and I don't, don't misunderstand this, but there was sort of a process, and there was a point at which you were converted. You took your first step, but there was this process God brought you through very clearly. Some of you was like that. I mean, there's there's all sorts of stories here, but your story is important. It's what, you know, God can use your story to share the gospel with others. You have a story. It doesn't, and, and sometimes you think, well, my story's not that dramatic. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because <laughs> the Bible says what happened? You passed from death to life. There's nothing more dramatic than the dead coming to life. Go back. Do your children know your story? Do your grandchildren know your story? They should know your story. Um, you know, you know my father was Jewish, but that's not my spiritual story. My spiritual story is my mother. And I know her story. Lived right behind Mount Presbyterian in Minneapolis, right off Bloomington Avenue. She went to a different church. It was very modernistic at the time, but she started going to youth group at Oliver Presbyterian. And she was saved there. I know her story. 
I know my story. I know Teresa's story. Do your children know your story? We have a story. Paul says, listen, if, if, if you're having trouble with this, are you so foolish? You began with the Spirit. Go back and remember that story. Secondly, leading up to this, so first of all, Dunn says, to walk by the Spirit, remember your story. Remember where you started. Don't ever lose sight of that, where you started. It's so important. And the second thing he says, if you go to chapter 5 and verse 14, just before we get to this passage that we're memorizing this week, he says this, the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. How do you walk in the Spirit? He says, if you want to, you want to understand the law, the whole law is summed up in that one command. Jesus said that. In fact, even the Rabbi Hillel said the same thing before Jesus lived. This, this was not, this was something that the, the law taught. Love your neighbor as yourself. You are not the most important person on earth. Your neighbor is. Your spouse, your kids, your neighbor, your brothers and sisters in Christ, people you work with, people in your school. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is walking in the Spirit. This is very practical. This is how you take steps, how you walk. You love your neighbor as yourself. And of course, you know what the Lord Jesus Christ said when the rabbi and the Pharisees said, yeah, I get that, but who's my neighbor? Right? And the end of the story was, everyone's your neighbor. The person you think least likely to be your neighbor is probably your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. And third, the first thing is, go back and remember your story. Don't ever forget where you began. Don't go and then begin again somewhere else. You began with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. You are called to love your neighbor. Everything is some love your neighbor as yourself. And the third thing that Dunn suggests is that walking by the Spirit, remember, it's the antithesis of walking according to the flesh. And so in my life, I think, how, do, how does this take place? How do, how do I do this? The key to me is in verse 18 that we read already once today. But let me look at it one more time. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Listen, friends, you know and I know, you know and I know that the Holy Spirit prompts you and leads you every day. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? You know when you do things that are not pleasing to God, I know, no one has to tell me, the Holy Spirit has convicted me and I had a choice to make. I know when God is prompting me to say something to somebody, to step out and help somebody, to love my neighbor as myself. You have the Holy Spirit. And you know, and I know, that the Holy Spirit prompts us all the time to do what He desires. Work out your own salvation, what? With fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to, an amazing verse, will and to do of His good pleasure. Friends, God has given us the Holy Spirit. Walking is a complex act. 
Spiritual walking is a complex act, but it's second nature if we listen to the Holy Spirit and follow his prompting. When we walk, what's your destination? Walking has a destination. Walking has a purpose. What's your purpose? What's your destination? You know, in closing, I want to read, uh, Teresa read this to me a few weeks ago. And it's, uh, I mentioned this book last week, this little devotional book. This one I told you, Pastor Peterson's that I have. My utmost for his highest. Gunny fixed it up for me. It was really falling apart and she got it so it's not falling apart anymore. And uh, this is the original. There is an updated version, kind of a modern English one. <laughs> okay. This is the older one. Um, you know, Oswald Chambers, he never wrote anything. You know that? He gave these, he gave these devotional talks at, uh, mainly at a, um, I believe it was a Christian college type setting in Egypt. And his wife transcribed them. His wife actually put them together and they put the book out. It's, it's quite an amazing story, his life story. And uh, Teresa read this one day and she read this to me. And so I, we, I went back and found it. And this was actually from July 28th. Oh, can I read this to you? Good. If you said no, I was going to read it anyway. Okay? Because <laughs> I'm up here and I get to do that today. And then I'm going to close. Okay? After obedience, what? And then the scripture is, each, each day there's a scripture. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side. Mark chapter 6. We are apt to imagine that if Jesus, I don't, I don't like reading long things. I know it's hard to follow when you're listening, but I'm going to do this. Just try, try and follow this. We are apt to imagine that if Jesus Christ constrains us and we obey him, he will lead us to great success. We must never put our dreams of success as God's purpose for us. His purpose may be exactly the opposite. We have an idea that God is leading us to a particular end, a desired goal. He is not. The question of getting to a particular end is a mere incident. Now listen to this. What we call the process, God calls the end. What is my dream of God's purpose? His purpose is that I depend on him and on his power now. If I can stay in the middle of the turmoil, calm and unperplexed, that is the end of the purpose of God. God is not working toward a particular finish. His end is the process that I may see him walking on the waves No shore in sight, no success, no goal, just the absolute certainty that it is all right. That it is all right. Because I see him walking on the sea. It is the process, not the end, which is glorifying God. God's training is for now. His purpose is for this minute, not for something in the future. We have nothing to do with the afterwards of obedience. 
we get wrong when we think of the afterwards. What I love this. What men call training and preparation, God calls the end. God's end is to enable me to see that he can, he can walk on the chaos of my life just now. If we have a further end in view, we do not pay sufficient attention to the immediate present. If we realize that obedience is the end, then each moment as it comes is precious. Follow? The Christian walk is the process. That's what matters. It's the walk. That's what matters. And what a blessing that God has enabled each of us to have the experience today, right now, of the Holy Spirit living in us to direct us, to prompt us, and to guide us. Rather than look to what the end, we think our end of our life or the end of our goal or what, our lives are in God's hands completely. And there's not a second we'll be out of his hand. It's the process right now that really matters. And you know what? It's the most mundane, everyday, common activities and experiences of your life where we need to see God's presence. Where we need to see God's presence. And if we can do that, it'll probably go a long way into helping us love our neighbor as ourselves. Walk. Learning to walk. Galatians, our verse this week, to walk after the Spirit. And that is the key to not living a life for ourselves, which is gratifying the sinful nature. Okay? All right, let's have our last hymn. Come on up, and we'll close our service with our final hymn this morning. We're going to be meeting in here um, in, for the near future, okay? We will let you know when you can go back to the sanctuary, okay? Sanctuary is okay. We're not actually changing anything in the sanctuary, but there are no restroom facilities up there. And right now, we don't want you walking down the hallway. Um, and so we're going to meet in here for the near future, sometime early fall, maybe by missions, whatever. We'll be back in there. We'll, we'll, work, we'll, we'll, take, we'll take care of it. Just walk us one day at a time, okay? So next Sunday, we'll be here. And the Sunday after that, we'll be in here. We're not going to start our Wednesday night clubs for the last Wednesday of September this year. Give them a little more time to get everything going. BSF will be starting on, on Tuesday nights and so forth. So we'll walk this journey together. Okay, let's close our service. Thank you again for joining us for worship this morning. And we will be here next week. And remember, sometimes when we walk, sometimes we fall. Sometimes we stumble. Sometimes we get tired. Sometimes it's hard. But the Holy Spirit's with us. Walk with God this week. Amen? Amen. Today. Don't, don't, let's not think about, let's think about today. And how God can use this church family to reach this community with the love of Jesus Christ, to reach your community and your neighbors. 
in the most common of things that take place in your life this week. Let's. Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Walk with God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of being called by your name, Christ ones, Christians. And Father, it's our prayer as always that there be a person here today who has never begun that journey. We've talked about our beginnings with the Holy Spirit. And I pray today that if there's a person here who's never received Christ as their Savior, that they would open their heart as you open their heart. And they would say, yes, Jesus Christ died in a cross and paid for their sins and offers to forgive them, to pay their sacrifice, and to bring them into relationship with you. Might they say yes to you today? And for those of us who know Christ the Savior, Lord, I pray that our focus and our thoughts will be on you this day, this day, as we walk with you. We've gathered in your name, and we leave on this first day of the week, a brand new week, brand new day. We look forward to walking with you. And in Christ's name we pray together. Amen. Amen. God bless you.